guys, it's that time of week again where we roll up the shutters and fling open the doors of the photography bar. My name is Cam. I'm currently sat here without Mark at the moment, um, but uh, I'm really here to introduce the show to you this week because it's uh, an overview of our visit to the Society's Convention that took place at the Novotel in Hammersmith, London, here in the UK last week, uh, where Mark and I um, had a wander around and chatted to some of the exhibitors. We spoke to some of the visitors that were there as well to get their thoughts on the show, some of the people that ran the master classes, um, and we speak a little bit about the gear that we looked at, new techniques, new processes, new products. So it's, it's, a, it's a good overview of the show for you all to sit back and listen to and uh, hope you enjoy it. Okay, right guys, we're here at the Camera Centre uh, stand and we're talking to here, who's um, uh, part of the uh, part of the team and looking at the gear they've got here. What do you expect to be hot this year at the show? So far, with us uh, expecting to be hot this year, is going to be a lot of the uh, Canon R5 series more than anything else, and the R6s, just something very difficult to get hold of, so their new mirrorless series, and it's uh, definitely going to be part of the new Sony range as well, so the A1, the A7 Mark IV, which is very difficult to get hold of as well, um, and especially the A7R Mark IV as well. Okay, and what about Nikon? Where do they lie in all of that? With the Nikon at currently at the moment, everyone's looking forward to getting that Z9. Um, so far, I think we've only had about three in the store in total, um, so getting them out is quite difficult so, uh, more than anything else, so we know we've got a little pre orders for those. Uh, the Z7 II, that's a particular favourite of a lot of people's, so uh, getting hold of that is very difficult, but luckily enough, I'm probably the only person who's got two left in the country. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Okay, so obviously looking at the deals, you've got, uh, you know, I'm just looking at your stand here, and you've got deals and £700 cashback on some of the camera, Canon gear, Sony deals. Is, are the shows always the, the best place to get deals? I mean, typically, you know, a lot of places, you know, like shows like this, you will get a very, very good offer, but obviously, you know, come to speak to us and things like that, you know, we should certainly try and work something out better for you if we can off our own backs you know because we certainly like to look after our customers more than anything else and get make sure they get the best deal as possible yeah good stuff just got one question there for you I've just seen the flash uh, the speed lights that you've got at the back there yeah. um with the speed lights okay on, with, with the, <laughs> is this for the podcast cam or is this for you I mean, it's a bit for me no it's for everyone it's for your shopping list okay it's for everyone okay so with the speed lights uh you know you've got your godox you've got your, your your dedicated canon your dedicated nikon whatever personal preference you know do, do you think do you think it's better to stick with the manufacturer speed light or no, no. I, personally, I always go for the third party. Um, it's not difficult to make a flash anymore these days, you know, so therefore third party companies always do their best then to try and push their own flash guns out of it to different mounts. They're far more supportive than anything else. I feel that the genuine manufacturer ones just charge far too much for what it is, for what you're after, really, personally. Okay, good stuff. Right, thank you for that. Hi, there's Mark from the Photography Bar Podcast. I am now witnessing an, a momentous event. Ca Mr. Cam Nikon Guy is buying a Canon R6 plus the R ref 2470 lens which I'm quite jealous about because I'm still using the EF with the mounts um, although are you getting a mount cam uh, I don't know I don't know you said to me to get me let me have a think about the mount it might be worth it because if I'm uh, if we're swapping lenses over at a wedding you might because mine are all EF so um, but yeah oh, did you hear that that's the lens going through <laughs> Uh, now, one thing actually the guys here at, um, camera center, uh, at the camera centre are going to do is buying the 
camera body and the 2470 RF uh, lens, they are giving me a Godox flash for free. So how good is that? That's really good actually, because um, when I bought my R6, I actually bought it with the, uh, the, the Canon 600, and I paid about 600 quid for mine, and you're getting this Godox, which apparently is as good. Um, 249. It's normally 249, it was 199, and now they're giving it for free, because, I mean, to be fair, you are spending nearly 4K's worth of gear there, but um, still, it'll be interesting to see actually how this holds up against the Canon. Maybe we'll do a tech, we'll do a tech test. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It, yeah, I think it's a great idea, so I'm looking forward to that. That's a bargain from the camera centre. It is, absolutely. Okay, right, we're with Ian Watts at the Photography Learning Limited uh, stand and uh, just walking past the stop because um, I thought we'd be a good one to stop at. This is Improve Your Photography Workshops. So, uh, Ian, do you want to just tell us very briefly what, what sort of workshops that you do? Yeah, we, um, we concentrate really on uh, beginner photographers or people just moving to a digital camera, perhaps from a phone. So, our, our basic course is Understand Your Camera, and it's, it gives people the un fundamental understandings of exposure and focus and, co and, and whatever. I've been delivering these in the Lake District for three to four years. My background is I spent 30 years as a professional training designer and uh, so I've been developed all these courses and been delivering them in the Lake District and we're now expanding and, and trying to spread it across the UK so we're, we're looking for franchisees to deliver our courses right through the UK. Yeah, that sounds really good. Now the people that are coming here, are, you, uh, are there people that uh, you've met at the show that are looking to actually learn photography? Are you getting many of those or are most of the people sort of professionals already already in the industry? Have you had any beginners sort of inquiring about what you do? We, we've had, it's probably been 50-50 really between people that are looking for courses to go on which is very encouraging because we, we all thought it had died uh, with Covid and people wanting to go on face-to-face -face courses but we're very encouraged to see that people do want to actually go on courses again and, and about half the people we've spoken to are photographers looking at other ways of supplementing their income. So. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because that was my next question actually. Is it, you know, you just answered it actually, you were saying they are in-person lessons and I was going to say are they, uh, are they remote lessons, are they sort of via Zoom, are they hybrid, a bit, bit of both or are they actually in-person but yours, they are actually all in-person yeah. are they? Yeah, we've, uh, photography is a very difficult thing to teach via YouTube or Zoom or, or whatever. Uh, I mean, people can do it and they have learned to do it during COVID, but we have found that people are looking forward to getting back in front of a, a, an instructor and, and getting hands-on help with the cameras. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good. Thank you for that. All right, sure. brilliant. Thank you. Pleasure. I'm now with Eclat Concepts, and this is quite interesting. Um, I've not seen this before, really. Um, so um, yeah. So I am with uh, we're with um, Shabazz, and um, he's going to explain what we what we're doing here. So, Shabazz, can you please explain what we got here? Hi guys. Good morning. So basically, what we are really doing here is. Uh, uh, it's, it's really like we're creating like a, a one-of-a-kind, like a masterpiece. Uh, effectively, you give us a, a standard 2D photograph. What we do is we then convert that into a 3D image. We did a little like a tweaks, and then we use lasers to basically etch inside the crystal glass. So that's what actually we are doing. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, so, so it's glass, is that? That's it's a solid glass. It's a solid glass. It's around like around uh, nine kilogram in weight. So it's a, it's a quite, and the way that we do is, when we fire a laser, what it really does is like it creates actually a little uh, fracture or imperfection inside the crystal. What you're really seeing here is that those imperfections created in such a precise sequence that it mimics your actual image. 
without breaking the glass. Wow. Fractures in it. Wow, and these do look incredible. So, um, so you're, um, the, the audience that you're looking for, is this really for people who just, I mean, I got here to the picture of someone's dog, which has been transformed into this marvelous 3D. I mean, you can look round it, it looks absolutely amazing. Um, I might take some photos and pop it on our Facebook if that's okay, so our listeners can see what it is, because it's hard, it's kind of hard to describe. Um, but yeah, so obviously I've got one of a dog here, and there's also, um, we've got an, an Indian bride here, and we've also got the more sort of, clan, well, a white sort of British wedding there. So. Is it, um, so for example, this lady here is an Indian bride, did she contact you or was it the photographer that contacted you? So it is the photographer, it's uh, one of the very, uh, uh, the most famous photographer, uh, fashion photographer in Pakistan and uh, he's the one actually who actually asked me to actually commission this work for him. So it's basically what we got, we got, you know, we have the wedding album, we have the USB to digital files, we now have the video and now we have these as well and it's like an addition to what you can get as a bride um, or groom I guess. Um, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, excellent stuff. Okay, guys, I'm uh, here at the Image File stand with Richard, who I know, and um, uh, and I, I'm very familiar with the uh, with the Image File. I walk past the stand here, and Richard, you're doing a 60-day trial for a pound uh, for creating websites for photographers. Is that correct? That's right, Cam. Yeah. So today we've got a special offer, and actually you can have a 10-day free period without signing up or paying anything. And at the end of that 10-day trial, once you've had a play around with the image file system, you can pay a pound and then you get an extended 60-day period to use the system, um, which allows you to build the website yourself. Um, so we're talking to a lot of photographers today who haven't got a website or have got a website but aren't happy with the look and feel of it. And if I'm honest with you, a lot of photographers are so busy, it's not a top priority um, for them, so we're trying to encourage as many of them uh, as we can to um, prioritise it. Um, we've also got another offer which for £90 will create the website for them, which has gone down particularly well with a lot of photographers who, like I say, are very busy uh, taking photographs. Well, I can certainly vouch for the image file because I was a customer of theirs for, for, for many years, so I know that the service that uh, you guys provide is, is outstanding. And looking at, uh, looking at the offer here and about the website, um, I mean, obviously there's companies like Wix and Squarespace and, and where people can go on and do their own times, but this is really dedicated to what every photographer really does really need, like private, pr uh, private client galleries, which certainly for the work that I do is really important. Um, but everything is geared, it's, it's very bespoke, where it, but the photographers can still design it themselves completely the way they want to do that. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, well, we've got um, um, quite a, a, a range of options using our template-based system. So there's thousands of different iterations of the website. So you wouldn't really know the image file had helped build the website for the client. Um, we can create it um, very um, creatively for the photographer. And, and you're right, a lot of photographers now do want the opportunity to sell their images via the, via the website. So we have client gallery areas which can be password protected and also um, there's bespoke watermarking which can run across all the images to protect the images for the uh, photographer. Um, and we, the clever thing about our system is we have about 10 different print labs we work with. So if clients want to outsource the sales side of things, we can actually pay, uh, take payments online um, from a range of different customers and then that order would then get fired off to a print lab who would then process the order and send it out to the client dire direct which would essentially save the photographer a lot of time, effort and hassle which is quite um, appealing for many of them who are very, very busy. 
and also support is very important. I mean, I know companies like uh, Wix and Squarespace, there's two that come to mind immediately, and there's, there's loads of those companies. And I'm not knocking what they do at all, because, you know, what, you know it, it works for some people, but the support is very important as well. So what's your support like as far as, you know, if somebody creates their own website using your system, can they, can they speak to you on the phone if they've got an issue? Uh, or is it, all, is it all online? You know, is it, you know, uh, is you know is, is good support there for people that are using the system yeah that's one of the things that a lot of the customers that come and see us uh, today existing customers that have been with us for many years they are just um, thanking us greatly for helping them work out how to use the system if they've forgotten about how to do it or they need some extra help and um, advice on how to do things we've got a range of different um, options for them to do that they can email us and we, we're quick off the draw to get back to them via email We've got loads of video tutorials about how to set the price plan, set up new galleries, help with SEO, um, all that sort of stuff is, is available. Um, and we do pride ourselves on the customer service, which is why when customers sign up with us, they tend to stay with us for a long time because uh, we care passionately about them uh, growing their business and making more money and, and having a good looking website is one of the ways they can do that. And if they can sell more images through using the sales functionality on the website, then um, then that really helps and we only charge and I've been working at the Imtial for over 10 years now and our price plan has not changed in that period of time so we offer a very simple roaming monthly contract we're not tied in for a long period of time so something from as little as five pounds a month you can have a website running with us where we host it we've got the customer support you've got the sales functionality um, and you've got the creativity to create a really nice looking website uh, from as little as five pounds a month Okay, right guys, I'm with Ian at Light Blue Software. Now, I've, I've been aware of Light Blue Software. Hi, Ian. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I've been aware of uh, Light Blue Software for, for quite a few years, because I've seen you at trade shows for, for years. Okay, and um, what you guys do are, it's a software solution where it's where you help everyone manage their shoots and, and finances, sort your diary out, that type of thing. Is, is that correct? Yeah, basically all kind of the, the admin side of running a photography business all in one place. So, you know, I end up speaking to a lot of photographers who have got bits of their admin are in different places, you know, like Google Calendar, they might be doing their invoicing somewhere and uh, they've got, you know, something written down on a post-it note, there's that thing that they've forgotten. Um, LightBlue brings all that into one place um, so that you are, um, yeah, a lot more organized and then as a result, because everything's all in one place, LightBlue as a tool can then start doing some work for you as well. So. Okay, which, which sounds fantastic and, um, but... <laughs> A lot of photographers are possibly thinking, I don't have that volume of work, okay? So what volume of work do you think somebody would need for the, you know, for, to, to implement something like this? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question, actually. I, um, well, I, I mean, I was a Light Blue customer before I worked for Light Blue. Um, I was using Light Blue over 10 years ago. Uh, I was seeing a, a little Facebook reminder saying, uh, I've just started using this Light Blue thing. Hopefully that'll be okay. Uh, you know, that was a decade ago. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I started using Light Blue within about six months of running my own photography business. Um, I started... Um, yeah, when I was quiet and just kind of built built up from there. And I do have conversations with other people who are kind of in the early days of their businesses as well. Um, there are also people who are, you know, very busy and, and coming over and using Light Blue as well. Um, I think it's about, you know, you want to get good structures in place with your business. I think personally for me, and as I found with, with some other people, they start, if they start when they're quieter, um, and then, you know, they get good processes in place, then as they get busier, things are still, you know, 
they've got a good process in place and so they're not overwhelmed by the work that's getting busier for them. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, sorry, go on. Oh, yeah, no, no. I was, um, I can't remember what my next point was there. <laughs> okay, so I was going to say, no, I think I, th I think that's really valid. And, and having good things, you know, good working practices is, is important to, to to be efficient, you know, and to, and to manage your time better. Because as photographers, we do all try to do everything, you know, from your social media, from your photography, from trying to find clients, to filling your diary, to scheduling appointments, to having client meetings. Okay, that's that's a lot. You you know, you know, we are all-rounders, aren't we? You know, and Mark, you and I, you know, are, are both involved in that. Now... Mark, I'm going to say this, okay? Now, I, you know, I've been in the industry for many years, okay? So, how many years is that, Cam? Okay, it's been over 30, okay? Yeah, it's beginning to show now, but... <laughs> okay, right, okay. Now, the thing f uh, for me, Ian, is light blue sounds good, and the reason why I haven't actually sort of taken that step to do it, and I've always been interested, is it's the time element of actually implementing it. Now, I asked the question, what if a photographer isn't busy, okay, or, or not isn't busy, but how much work does a photographer need to, to make something like this sort of work for themselves? But there's also the opposite side of it as well. You know, I've got an established business um, and it's been going for many years. And for me now to try and put something like this in place, is this going to end up taking a heck of a lot of time just to put everything into place? Absolutely. That's a, that's a really, really good point, actually. Um, so, yeah, moving, moving into a system, especially a system like Light Blue that can do so many things for you, can feel really, like, onerous and daunting. Totally get that. I think the thing that, that works well for people when they're getting going with Light Blue, regardless of whether they've just started with their business or whether they are running a, running a nice and successful and healthy business and they've got a lot of things going on and they're thinking, I don't have enough time for this, is you're doing some of the, you're doing things in different places already. So maybe you're adding, when you've got a booking or you've got an inquiry, you're adding it into Google Calendar, Yeah. Just starting by changing one thing at a time. So start by putting those things into light blue instead of into Google Calendar. We can publish to Google Calendar, so you're just doing things in a different place. That provides a foundation there for you. Okay, we've got tools to help you to bring stuff into light blue from a, from established places already, anyway, um, and we can help with that on like one-to-one -one calls too. Um, but start by changing one thing at a time. You know, when you started your business, you didn't do everything at once, right? Um, there's things you do on day one, there's things you do on day two, there's things you do on day three that make days four, five, and six easier. Same with light blue. So start by doing, like, changing one thing at a time, bringing your inquiries and your bookings, just treating it like a glorified diary to start with, gives you that foundation onto which you can build, oh, I could use my email templates. And then you've got email templates in place, you're not having to write messages out all the time, you're sending your emails within light blue and your text messages, and then you're like, oh, I'll put my task list and my workflows in there. And then actually that message that I'm sending, that reminder message that I'm sending the day or two days before the shoot every time, I'm not changing that template. So maybe I could bring that in as a workflow and things. And it's, you don't do all that on the first day. You're building that up step by step and changing one thing at a time. I mean, we've got resources to help with that sort of stuff. We've got like one-to-one uh, -one screen sharing to help people with that sort of stuff. But the, the key thing I say to people is let's change one thing at a time. Um, when you're learning anything, your brain is spending energy on um, basically learning those processes, right? Um, and if we are kind of cutting down the amount of stuff you need to learn at any one time so that you get something that is, uh, becomes like second nature and that you've got muscle memory on, then you can move on to the next thing and move on to the next thing from there. So yeah, we're just trying to cut down that, that mental load for you there with that. 
Cool, I've just got a quick question for you, and it's a, it might be a bit of a cheeky one, I don't know, it might be putting you on the spot, but obviously I know there are many uh, of these sort of software management systems out there. What makes Lightblue software different to the others? I'm not going to swear at you, I'm not going to mention them, but yeah, what, what, uh, what, what are the differences between yours, why would people kind of choose your software compared to somebody else's? Absolutely, no, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think that um, ultimately, you know, somebody should be settling on a on a tool that suits them, right? You know, there's lots of camera manufacturers out there. There's lots. True. There's lots of, of, of album suppliers and labs and stuff, and you you go for the one that fits you best and fits your needs best. Um, that's why you know we have a trial and, and people get going. The thing that really makes Light Blue stand out, I think, a couple of key things. Um, one is the, the depth of the reporting and the customization that's available within Lightblue. Uh, Lightblue is a very, very customizable tool. There's lots of different things, lots of options available there for you. We're not prescriptive about the way that you should work, okay? Um, but then the, the, the reporting in there and the, the use of the information, which does not sound sexy, okay? <laughs> um, but I, I get that. But the thing is, if, if you're using Lightblue for your day-to-day, keeping you organized with what you need to do with each job um, and that sort of stuff, you're actually feeding it really useful information so that, for example, a newborn photographer can then have a look if they do like sitters and cake smashes and that sort of stuff, uh, first birthday shoots and, and things. They can, they can then have a look to say, right, show me my, my newborn shoots I did six months ago. Boom, you've got extra work there. And show me the ones I did 12 months ago. Boom, done. Um, you know, show me my wedding clients who didn't order an album. Boom, done. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that level of detail that you don't start using a tool with that stuff in mind. You don't say, I'm going to start you. You start it to help you with your day-to-day, but then this is where Light Blue gives back. And to be honest, tell me what you want to find. I can probably, I mean, it's, it's a broad challenge, but tell me what you <laughs> want to find, and I, will, I can try to help you to find that within your data. You know. Awesome stuff. I suppose that pretty much ties into what you were saying before when Cam asked about, you know, if you're busy and it's just something that you build on, so you start transforming everything and then actually it's the, with, with, other, with these softwares, I'm sure with yours, you know, you, it actually does things that you didn't think you needed and actually when you come to use it, oh, you know what, that's made this half an hour job like 10 minutes, you know, so that's really cool. Excellent stuff. So I'm assuming obviously you, you have a uh, online presence. It would be a bit random if you didn't, I guess, being a software company. Um, but yeah, obviously, um, guys, we will have all the information information um, on our Facebook page um, with all the links and stuff so you can go and check them out so that's light blue software if you uh, if you feel that your uh, diary is in a bit of a mess I'd probably suggest speaking to these guys all right thanks a lot Ian thank you very much thanks for having me no worries bye bye so I am here now this is a this is a cool one guys because I'm sure you guys have heard me mention the fact I used to work for Jessup's back in the day. Well, um, I'm, I'm going around the trade stores, and I do see him quite a bit at the uh, photography show, but um, went past the, the Transcontinental stand, and my good friend Alex Cook is here, and we used to work for Jessup's together, and uh, we were in a band as well, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, so, Alex, how are you doing, my friends? I'm good, Mark. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you very much. And, um, yeah, um, first of all, Transcontinental. Um, from one, two brands, we've now got about 13 brands we represent. Ah, cool. So we're, see, Tamron, Lexar, uh, Peak Design, um, and from the beginning of last year, Godox. Yes, well, we're, we're actually just stood in front of all the, uh, the, the Godox stuff that you, you've got there. I mean, how are you finding the Godox stuff generally? Uh, the interest in Godox is phenomenal. I mean, um, 
They've kind of come from nowhere, haven't they? From from my point of view, anyway. Well, I think because they were originally they were like an, uh, an uh, like an OEM manufacturer, so they used to make for other companies as well. You'll see um, uh, uh, Pixapro. They've basically been making for. Yeah, I know their links. Yeah. Um, and in in the states, uh, Adorama um, have their. I can't remember what the brand is called, but they have their own brand. But that's all made by Godox. Mm. Um, and then obviously Godox started making stuff under their own name but they've gone from you know one or two different heads and some small shoe mounted flash guns to now right the way up to I mean they do they've just released now a a 2400 watt um, oh really you're gonna see that one twin battery uh, like twin head battery kit zoomable heads um, and yeah, like proper pro, they've also just uh, released uh, a new zoomable um, parabolic softboxes. Um, but this is like proper high-end stuff. So from sort of the more budget stuff, which were they kind of was known for, yeah, to now yeah. proper high-end pro stuff. You know, proper lighting stands and. All of that kind of okay. Okay, right, right. Just a very quick one, really. Just when we were chatting when I first got here, you were telling me that Mets, uh, you know, a real well-known name in the industry, yeah. you know, were no longer. And I wasn't actually aware of that. I mean, I remember using the Mets CT1, the old hand. Six you know, that's right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So, um, and you were saying, and this I found this quite interesting. But one of the reasons why Mets sort of fell. You know, you know, fell out of the, the industry is because they really didn't keep up with what was going on. Is, is that right? They were kind of just a little bit stuck in their ways with some of the, the technology um, but also um, so the Metz company in Germany was actually sold about it was less than 10, 10 years ago now um, to like a sort of electronics company um, who mainly specialised in electric bikes and scooters Strange, I just bought one <laughs> electric bike this week. Um, yeah. uh, if it was bought in Germany, it, it would have been. Um, uh, and I think a lot of their resources were moved away from the flash uh, area. Um, and um, also, the um, one of the MDs from Metz, a uh, chap called Gunther, he actually he left Metz and bought. Uh, Kuhlman in Germany, which was mainly a bag and tripod company, basically most of the, the people from Metz. So after that happened, you know, the flash just sort of went by the wayside and eventually they've just gone out of flash altogether in Germany. Yeah, Yeah. no, really interesting actually that it was such a well-known name like Bowens as well, you know, so. Yeah. Great, interesting stuff. Thank you very much for that, Alex. All right, no okay, and we're going to crack on with the rest of the show. Certainly, certainly. Cheers, thanks. I am at the One Vision stand here at the Society's events, and I'm with uh, Derek Coulson from One Vision. How are you doing, Derek? You all right? I'm doing really well, really excited to be here, and it's uh, it's a great buzz about the place, and yeah, it's feeling good. Yeah, there is a real sort of um, happiness around here, isn't it? It's because we're all trying to get back. We're trying to avoid using the, the COVID word, but it is nice to be back, isn't it? It's fantastic, and seeing so many faces again, all the faces of the old and the past and the new, it's really exciting to be here. 
yeah, yeah. It's really Excellent cool. stuff. Excellent. So, just so everyone knows, uh, for, well, for those who don't know, One Vision is a, a, a lab. It's actually the lab that I use uh, for my family photography. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I can't recommend them enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're just looking at some of the, the things that, and the products that they've got here. So, um, Derek, what, what's selling? What's hot? What's new? What's going on? Okay, well, we've been a professional photographic lab for over 53 years. Um, we are specialists really in the print industry. It, it's all about the print. And before we produce a product, the print has to be exceptional in the first place. You know, there's no point in having a product as, as, as beautiful as that without a perfect print. Uh, what's interesting is that the, the photographic industry has obviously changed over the last few years and fine arts come into the market. And some of the new hot products definitely are on fine art papers. Okay. Although what we've also found is that a lot of photographers are actually choosing fine art for the wrong reasons. So they're, uh, often, yeah. they're often literally sort of saying, oh, I, I want a fine art print, please. And they're, they're placing their order and then being a little bit disappointed with the results, maybe because the contrast is too high or it's maybe too flat or too contrasted, whatever it may be. And then we, we often print it photographically and they go, oh, that's what I want. That's perfect. So, <laughs> yeah. so I think horses for courses is the key. But nevertheless, fine art has got its place in the market. Um, and the latest hot product that we've just launched is the Renaissance range, uh, which is the one you see here. And that is uh, that beautiful product is basically printed on German etching, uh, Hannah Muller German etching pen, and it's varnished. Wow, um, okay. Yeah, and then uh, the great thing is also can be in, it's in the frame build that we have online, so it could be used with any frame we have in our collection. Awesome. Um, so the price and touch is really nice. It's a really good price tag, um, and that is getting a lot of attention this year, a yeah. lot of attention. Cool. It's got three coats of varnish on it. Um, as I say, it's the, it's the German etching paper, which has got the nice texture, but the, but the varnish helps retain the texture and helps it create uh, its sort of classic, classic style look. I suppose it helps with the protective barrier as well. Much so. One of the problems with fine art is that literally you touch it and it comes apart. Yeah. Um, so varnishing really is important. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, if you don't see these products, you're not going to sell them. If you don't display these products, you're not going to sell them. Um, so a lot of photographers are coming back and they're going back to things like traditional framing. Yep. But multi-aperture is also an interesting thing because multi-aperture framing now represents about 40% of framing. Wow. Okay. That, yeah. That's... That really is quite something. That's quite a shift, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not for everyone but nevertheless the public clearly like it um, they, I think they're just feeling they're getting great value for money um, but I think you know at the moment portraiture should be and could be really really well received at the moment because family values over the last two years I think have been really recognized and hopefully come up uh, in the importance situation for yeah I mean I found that actually in what I do as well yeah. so um, that and weddings as well I mean just having those families together is, is, is suddenly really come to the forefront of everybody and and I guess that will come in, in and the things that you do when you're selling it, it really has it really has and and for us online framing over the last two years saw a massive surge in fact 2020 did we saw our biggest online uh, framing sales uh, because everyone was doing their home decor yeah of course so it was a fantastic reaction really well yeah awesome stuff well Derek thank you ever so much for taking the time on because it is busy here so thanks ever so much for taking the time to have a chat with me Okay, so guys, I'm with uh, Jeremy here at uh, Graphy Studio, manufacturers of, I suppose, wedding books and frames, uh, canvases, and a, and a range of different things. Um, Jeremy, how are you doing? Excellent, thank you very much. So this is day two of the show, isn't it? Is that right? Is it day two or day three? Day two, day two of the show. It's day two of the trade show. Day two of the trade show, but the the Wednesday had seminars and uh, classes on. Yeah, so I was just talking to your colleague there, Chris, who I remember from the days of Spicer Hallfield, yeah. and uh, this is going back years ago. Um, so I, I've known Graphy Studio for years, um, 
I suppose you guys were the first manufacturers of what's called the wedding book, really. Yeah. Is that right? Absolutely. Back in the mid-1980s, Graphic Studio created and invented the Layflat album. They patented it, and the patent ran out in the mid-2000s. Um, I launched Graphic in the UK back in 1999, when most photographers were on film. And uh, we took their films and we created the wedding book from, from film. And then digital came through more and more in the social scene and, uh, and it's evolved from there. But our world has been very much about producing unique and different products for the professional photographer to give them something different for what the public can buy themselves. As far as the talking about the actual book specifically, how have they developed? How have they changed in sort of design materials? Have they, have they moved on from the original from the original ones that you did? Yeah, absolutely. The range that we offer is phenomenal, um, not just on the outside of the album, where if you look at, look at all of the cover options that we have and the different versions that you have, you can actually probably look at about 2.5 million different combinations. Now, we do an amazing tool to help photographers, rather like when you buy a new car and you click on it to change the colour. It's the same with our albums and all of our other products too, so you see it in real time. You click on it to the materials that you want and you change the colours and change them to it. You can see and export it as a PNG to send your client. More importantly, and we love the fact that we have so many covers, more importantly is the inside. Silver halide printing has been around for a long time. Digital silver halide printing joined us in the in the kind of early 2000s, and it was a revolution. You know, using lasers to burn into that paper and the wet process. But that technology hasn't changed much. Uh, but other technologies have, and inkjet technologies and offset technologies have come and have become incredibly um, accurate at what they do. And so we've moved the inside of the albums, and most of our albums now we suggest to people to use the HD print system that's on a Canon Dreamlab. And the reason we do that is because it prints the Adobe RGB colour space, so you've already got a much, much bigger colour space to work with. It has up to 2400 dpi um, in terms of its, its precision, so it means you're getting absolutely brilliant text and absolutely perfect text. Uh, and most importantly, it's, a, it's also uh, non-toxic. So silver halide processing, which many labs use, you're using the toxic chemicals to produce the paper and you're, you've then got the toxic chemicals to develop it. So with the, with the inkjet, it's a water-based ink. Um, the, the amazing quality that it gives way surpasses any other technologies. And, we, and although it costs us a lot more money, um, we actually believe it's the future for creating sunny professional products. And that's ultimately what we do. Yeah, and I, mean, I can see the quality looking at one of the books here. Now, one question I have got is accuracy of colour. You know, as photographers, you've got photographers that are using different screens. You know, they've got their laptops. They've got some have got the ISO screens, uh, the, the the you know the, the real dedicated ones. Some are calibrated monitors using the Spider. All of those. Do you have any issues, you know, with with print and colour? Do you, you know, the variation that you have? I'm sure that's a that's a big question for photographers, isn't it? Uh, you know, like, you know, if like if I was designing a book, you know, am I seeing, you know, what I'm seeing on my screen is how accurate is that going to be? So it's really, really simple. Photographers spend an absolute fortune on the bodies for their, of their cameras, probably even more on the glass on the front of it, uh, and that creates incredible files. And that, those files are basically ones and zeros, they're mathematical formulas. So when you go into Photoshop and you see an RGB value or a CMYK value, that's an industry standard colour. So 
we spend absolute fortunes on our print systems. We calibrate our machines sometimes up to five times a day. So you'll go into the factory and you'll see the calibration prints, the test prints, to make sure they're still within gamma of that industry standard. The big part in the middle, the challenge in the middle, is the monitor. Now, if you're shooting in, in shooting RAW and you output to sRGB, that's fine for most, uh, most labs who have um, photographic print systems, but that can only see up to 75% of the sRGB color profile. What we suggest is that people have a decent monitor that can show them what their camera captures. Too often I get calls in saying, oh, you know, I'm, the, my colors aren't right, and I ask what the person's using, and it's an iMac. Now the new iMacs and the new Macs have a much, much better profile that you can, and, and, and it's really, really good. However, most photographers don't have new iMacs and many will have other machines where they don't calibrate their monitor. Absolutely critical. Calibrating your monitor is, is very, very important because then you set it to the industry standard. Where you have that monitor located is really, really important. If you've got it in a bright room, and you pump up the brightness of that monitor, it's going to make your prints dark. It's not the lab's fault, it's the fact that you've looked at it on your screen and you think, oh, that's all right, but my prints are dark. That's because you pumped up the brightness with a backlit monitor, and that's not what your actual file is. Others who will edit and they'll say, no, I want Adobe RGB because it's great, but they have an sRGB monitor. Then they put filters on, and you cannot possibly see what that file's got to go into print like. So, what I urge every photographer to do, and there are many that are amazing at this, what I urge every photographer to do is to buy a monitor that is colour accurate, and it could be any of the brands. Obviously, Azo is one of the top brands, but BenQ, LG, they all do Adobe RGB monitors. Buy a monitor that can show you the best of what your file creates. After all, you've spent all that money on that camera and that glass. Why not see actually what it's like? Connect it to your iMac because you can use dual monitors and it's so much easier to use dual monitors because you keep all your Facebook and all your other stuff on your iMac or your other machine and then your editing stuck to your high quality monitor that shows what you get. When you send us a file that is actually on a calibrated monitor, the maths that's in that file, that, that ones and zeros, our systems recognize those ones and zeros and if you don't ask us to color print, we will print exactly what you've sent us. Um, and because we calibrate our print machines, sometimes up to four or five, I mean, one of them we, we calibrate every hour. We know what's going through our machines. We know that they're color accurate to the industry standard. And so photographers get a great monitor. You know, you can spend six, seven hundred pounds on a monitor, which is probably a tenth of what you spent on your, your camera equipment, and you will get back incredible prints there. And most importantly, because if you're choosing our Dream Lab system that we use, and we've got two of those in, that goes into all of our albums, it means that you will be able to print at a far, far higher quality than the public can get themselves. And that's what you need. You know, great service, great pictures and great printing is what gives you that, that edge over what the public can do themselves. Yeah, that's the one thing about the Dream Lab is because you have a brilliant white paper and a pitch black ink, and the tonal range, it, the, the Dreamler has four primary colours and three mixing inks. And the paper itself goes through the machine, the head doesn't move. 
you've got a phenomenal system. So it means that your black and whites are so close to original black and whites how they used to be. Because with the silver halide printing, black and whites lost their whole punchiness, and they lost their tonal range because you're creating black out of an RGB process. Whereas this is a pitch black ink on a brilliant white paper, and it gives you that black and white, incredible black and white. And I, but I guess a lot of photographers probably aren't even aware because a lot of photographers aren't even printing work out or probably never been through that process of printing their work out. They, they only ever look at them on a screen. And for a lot of people, they're then putting them onto phones and looking them on phones and, and whether it's Insta or Facebook or something like that, that's the only way they view their images. So I guess a lot of people just really aren't aware until they really go into printing. And that is very separate, isn't it, to how, you know, the whole screen thing. But um, no, that's really interesting. That's really good, good advice as well. Thank you for that. Okay, cheers. Thanks so much. I mean, it's quite a setup you got here. So we've got the, there's, a, there's a stand going on here, which is for demonstrations. Um, and we've got a lot of LED lights going on. So what's the main thing you're promoting here at the moment? Uh, the main thing we're promoting is, is Ellingchrom. Uh, we're a big Ellingchrom uh, retailer. Uh, we've got, like you say, we've got the stage where we've got live demos going on all day with some really, really high-end, well-known speakers, all using Ellingchrom lighting, all using flash. But yeah, Ellingchrom is a really key brand for us and that's what we push hard. But yeah, you mentioned the LED panels. Yeah, we've got a good selection of, of panels from companies like Photics. And they are creating quite a lot of interest and we're, we're, people are, um, that seems to be the, the, the hot product at the moment. What are you finding people using these for? I mean, I, I, mean, I know video is quite a thing, but I mean, I use these um, LED lights for when I'm shooting weddings if I can't be bothered to bring my Ellencons with me, basically. Um, are you finding it's more of a video thing or a photography thing? Or? I think the great thing about a lot of the LED is you can use it for both, and I think there's a lot more people now doing working in a hybrid way, so shooting a little bit of video with some stills, and it gives them the ability to, to do that. Obviously, if they do need the extra power, um, maybe that's when they start looking at the flash, but certainly for a lot of people that are doing a mixture of still and video, these, these, these panels work really well. And you can get models that work on, on battery as well, so you can be totally portable with them. Um, which is a great advantage for the, the sort of social photographers. Yeah, I mean, that's what I find because, you, yeah, you don't have to plug anything in. I mean, mine are battery powered and, uh, and they're really bright and, and they do some, you can get some really creative stuff. So, what have we got over here then? What's, uh, what have we got? These are, are mainly the Photics brand that we've got here, but another really key brand for us is, is Nanlite. Um, you see the Photics do the, the panels, so where uh, you've got multiple. In some cases, hundreds of LEDs all in a panel. You can see we've got this lovely one in pink, we've got this one in blue, so we've got full RGB control, full brightness control. Uh, but then something like these, we find these are a really popular brand for us. These are the Nanlite Forzas. Okay. This is a little Forza 60, single LED. So for people listening uh, uh, at home, um, we're, I'm looking at two different types of lights here. So we've got like, if you imagine what LEDs tend to be, it's like a panel and you've got all those LED lights. But this other one that you mentioned, it looks more like a miniature studio flash, really. It's got a, it's got a spill kill on it. Um, what's, what's the difference? Why, why is that one like that and, and there's not a panel? So the beauty of this is a little bit like, like a flash head, you can use modifiers on it. So you've got a range of of, of dishes but you can actually use if you will soft boxes on it as well so you can modify the light where with a panel you can't really do that unless you're just using a bit of diffuser material on the front of it or something um, that's the little 60 but over here we've got the, the big the big 500 unit here which wow. is uh, an incredible piece of kit 
because if we ramp this, ramp the power up on that. Whoa, I mean, that is really bright, guys. <laughs> that is really, really bright. And it's saying, so this basically has, as I say, it looks like, if, if you imagine what a Bowen's light, an Anacon light will look like, that's what this looks like. And and yeah, we've got basically, I mean, it, the, the spill cool comes off just like you would a studio light, and you can fit, like like Mark said, you've you got like, uh, there's a snoots, soft boxes. Um, Even projector heads, and just do a projector head for it now as well. So you, you can really use them for uh, not just you know, standard lighting, as in flood lighting, but you, you can start using them for effects and things okay. like that as well. Um, and this can even be battery operated, this one, if you've got the right sort of, it takes quite a bit of battery power. I'm sure it does, for that bright, I mean, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're a really fantastic range. And then the two bigger panels here at the side of them. Again, these two are both, these two panels are both biphotics. Will work mains, will work battery, you've got full, uh, full control over colour temperature, full control over brightness. They're just so versatile, you know, that's what we're, what we're finding. But still no substitute for flash. If you're comfortable using flash, uh, and obviously Ellingcom is the brand of flash that we tend to push uh, more, than, more than the others. But we're still well, let's, with that in mind, let's have a look, because we've got a whole a load of Ellencon lights here as well. Um, so my first question is, have you got the Ellencon 1? Because I'm quite eager yes, to see that. Have you got the Ellencon 1? Hang on, he's just grabbing the Anacon on. Oh, wow, okay, so this is the first time I've actually seen one of these. It's actually a lot smaller than I thought it was gonna be. Um, I always thought it looked, I mean, I've seen things on it. I mean, it looks sexy as it does on the pictures, to be quite fair, nice but nice unit. Yeah. I mean, it's about 800 quid, so it should yeah. be a nice unit. It um, it's it's Ellencrom quality, you know, so that although we're nowhere nearly, you know, Ellencrom is nowhere near the, the most expensive brand, it sits in a, I think a, a, a really nice space financially. Yes, there is lower cost options about, but if, you, if you're used to Ellencrom, you, you've used Ellencrom before, you know the quality, you know that every single flash is gonna be bang on with its color temperature, and, and that's what it's all about. And would you say, because obviously we've, we've had a look at Godox flashes today, uh, both the heads and that, I mean, is, and they are a little bit cheaper than well, an Anacon. What, what is the main thing? I mean, I'm an Anacon user, so yeah. you know, I, I know the quality, and, and I like, personally, I like the ergonomics of them as well. Yeah. Um, but what would you say, I mean, if I was looking uh, for, for a battery-powered um, flash head like this, what is it that the One has that maybe something like the Godox doesn't? Uh, to be fair, there's probably pros and cons to both, and, and just to be sort of clear, as a, as a company, we're actually, we've just taken on Godox as well. Yes, I've, I'm aware. So, you know, the flash centre has really, for the last, uh, for a good few years, the last number of years, has been virtually Ellingcrom only. We do Broncolor as well, but we keep getting asked for, for Godox, so we've, we've taken a range on, uh, and we will be retailing that to our stores and through the website. But really, I mean, what I can say is that value for money, Godox are absolutely superb. Um, I suppose the nearest one to this in terms of even looks and everything would be the AD300 Pro. Um, and you know what, some of their heads do things that maybe ours can't from a technology point of view. Um, but if, if you was wanting, I'd say certainly when you go up to the, the, the higher range studio heads and, and the, the battery heads, we'd like to think that the, the Ellingcrom the, 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 it's more accurate shot to shot. There'll be, there'll be less drift. So power distribution power and things. Power distribution like, yeah. and colour accuracy, yeah. But, you know, Godox, 
we were very impressed with what we've seen there, and why we've taken them on as a, as a brand for the Flash Centre as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's why we have obviously it's a range, isn't it? I mean, um, I mean, the, the Godox look great. This Alencron one does look very nice. I mean, it's got a lovely screen on the back there. Um, I'm, I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. I mean, that's a digital screen on the back um, showing your power outlays. It's all touchscreen as well. Touchscreen or it works on both, so you can either use the touchscreen or you can turn the dial. Simple menu. Well, um, with that, Mark, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, thank you ever so much for taking the time to speak to us. Oh, and um, yeah, um, yeah, I really like the Alan Crumb one. It is nice. I do like it. Well, we've got a show offer on, so you can get us, take advantage of the show offer if you want. Always a salesman, Mark. I like it. I like it. Thanks again. <laughs> Thanks very much. Guys, I've got Terry Donnelly here. What's hot on the Sony stand? Hot the Sony stand, absolutely, it's Sony A1. There isn't a camera that comes near it, it's streets ahead of the competition, and they're definitely just checking out. Also, the 50mm f1.2 Geomaster, outstanding lens, razor sharp, super wide open, blend all your backgrounds out, fantastic. Get down and see if you can uh, have a look. Okay, so the Sony, A2, the Sony A1 you said, wasn't it? Yeah. So two reasons why it is the best one. Um, file quality, 50 megapixel file, outstanding speed, so fast on autofocus, um, the EVF, beautifully clear, large, uh, just an amazing camera. Good enough for us, thanks Terry. Ah, <laughs> right guys, I'm with Terry at the Fujifilm stand. Terry, very quick answer to this, what's hot on the Fuji stand? Uh, so we've got the GFX range here and the X-Series. Uh, this is the first year where we're actually as one, so we're the Imaging Solutions team now at Fujifilm. Uh, so we've got printers um, as well as cameras, we've also got Instax as well. So all three divisions coming into one at okay. the show. Okay, good stuff. So uh, you, which, which was the camera that you said is the, is the hot Fuji one? Uh, so we've got the GFX100S, which is our 100 megapixel medium format camera. Also on the, uh, the X-Series side, we've got the X-T4, which is our flagship X-Series camera. Okay, excellent. Good stuff. How much is the, uh, the medium format uh, retailer? Uh, so you've got the GFX100S, that's at 5399. Okay. And we've got the GFX50S, and that is at uh, around three grand for that one. So. Okay, good. Thank you. Thanks. Brilliant. Right then, so I am now with um, Alex. Sorry, I read his Yalna quite well there. Um, so yeah, I'm with Alex um, at Diddy Lab. So Alex, what do you do? Well, we well wall art, prints, frames, albums, all that sort of thing. So a full service lab for any photographer in the UK. Okay, there are quite a few um, stands sort of selling yeah, similar things. Yeah. So what makes you different from everybody else? I think the care and consideration of the staff that actually goes into the products. I mean, we've got 75 years of heritage in this sort of field. So from anything from six by four prints up to 60 by 40 acrylics, yeah. everything's handmade from scratch for that particular photographer's work rather than something on a, like a long conveyor belt or something you know, along those lines. And the, the variety of stuff that we have, you know, we've got guys here that were the photographers in their blade. Jill Aurona, her grandfather set the company up, so it's in her blood. Yeah. Obviously, we've just merged with Colour World as well, so that's caused this huge shift in product range that's added to our uh, offering as well. And it's just an exciting environment to work in. Excellent stuff. Well, final question. What's hot? What, what are people most interested in on your stand? Uh, the brand new albums. The uh, Fine Art Natural is one of our best-selling products. So it's a fine art print with a G-clear varnish. Really uh, something that's not available elsewhere. Uh, and the acrylics are always a really good seller. Awesome stuff, guys. So if you're looking for um, wedding albums, here is another one. Here's another. Look up DigiLab. And, um, yeah, we'll put the link on our, on, on our Facebook as well. All right. Alex, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Cheers, guys.
Okay, guys, I've stopped one of the visitors here, Kim, who is a photographer, and she's wandering around the show. So we're going to ask Kim, what have you? What what are you here to see in particular today? Um, I was looking at sort of um, products for my portrait clients, um, families, babies, that sort of thing. Um, also uh, wedding photography. So looking at more albums again. Okay. Uh, seems to be getting more popular. So yeah, just looking at those sort of options. Okay. Anything in particular that's sort of new that you've been struck by? Have you, have you come across anything? You think actually, I'd like to. I'd like to put that into my range. I'm seriously going to consider that. I mean, there's a lot of graphic studio stuff that I adore, and um, I think I'll be using more of that. Yeah, that's probably one of my favourite ones. To be fair, I love a bit of graphic. So been... yeah, yeah, we had a chat with graphic, didn't we? And uh, some of their stuff is is really good. What about equipment-wise? Cameras, gear, anything like that? Not really here for equipment this um, for this show in particular. Um, I do need to buy some SD cards. <laughs> The shows are always the best place. Does, <laughs> I need to buy some SD cards, so yeah, I'll probably be making more there. Oh, there's park cameras over there. I'll be making use of them, probably. Yeah, the shows are where you get the best deals from, to be honest with you. So now, now it really is now the time to buy them. So yeah. okay, brilliant. Thank you very much for that. You're Great. Enjoy your day. Okay. Bye. Thanks. I'm with a quite. It's, it's a stand I haven't seen much of, um, but yeah, they're called Photo Export, and they've got some really interesting um, solutions for printing off um, mainly mobile phones for both com um, consumers and also for yeah, amateur and possibly professional photographers. So first of all, they've got a couple of items. So I'm just looking here at a printer. Um, quickly tell me, how does this work? Okay, we've got uh, lots of printers, but basically what I'm trying to show here today is a Wi-Fi system that will connect a printer to a mobile phone, to a laptop, to a PC, uh, and it will allow you to print directly to that printer. So if you have multiple printers, you can also do up to eight printers. If you're at an event, you can send your images up to eight printers. There's a queuing system. It'll just print for you, and you don't have to worry about going to a specific printer or connecting to the printer. That's wicked. I mean, you did show us um, a little demonstration with the mobile phone, but I'm assuming because a lot now, especially with the mirrorless cameras, um, the R6, the R5, you know, all that kind of stuff and the Sony equivalents, um, they have Wi-Fi built, and this is Wi-Fi attached. So if you're an event photographer, you take pictures around um, and you can basically connect to this printer and it will then print out the images straight off. Up, up to eight printers, yeah. Up to eight printers. Wowzers. Okay, that is, that I can see why an event photographer would like that. Um, instant photography, and you can get instant sales on the night as well. Yeah, and it's brand new at the show. This is the Aircast Pro 2. It is absolutely brand, brand new at this show. It is selling like hotcakes, and I know that's an old expression, but we literally are, we've had a fantastic show with it. Excellent stuff. Right, I'm just going to walk around to the other side of here and we have this it's like a photo booth so if you imagine what photo booths were like I mean I used as you know and I've mentioned several times I used to work for Jessup's and they had these in there boots have them but mainly it's all card driven or you got to plug your phone in this however is websites by the looks of it and it's got a QR code so um, sorry um, I've got uh, I got Dave with me um, so Dave quickly explain what's going on here right so this is this is run by the Pixolo app so this is an app-based photo printing solution idea being that people can compile an order at, at their own leisure on, on the bus on the way into work, on the sofa at home on a Sunday, and then pop into their local outlet, show the phone to the, the unit and it will print their images instantly. That's wicked. So yeah, you, you, you got your photos on your phone, you choose one, you do it through the app, and then at some point, I mean I haven't seen many of these at the moment, but I'm assuming this is a future thing that's, that's happening. So hopefully at some point we'll see one of these machines it's in the uh, off license or supermarket something like that yep. um, maybe a pub Ooh, you'll get some dodgy pictures there um, but then you, you, you once you go through the app 
you've decided what you're going to order, you get this QR code, you scan this QR code in front of the printer and then it prints out your photo. It is a wicked piece of kit. Thank you very much. We like it. Yes. Well, hopefully we'll be seeing more of these. And um, although, yeah, we'll probably see these at weddings as well, Cam. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe it uh, takes over the photo booth. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, I could see. I mean, a hiring hiring company could do this. Uh, you have one of these for a wedding. I mean, loads of people will be taking photographs. Um, just you know, spinning it because obviously we are wedding photographers and we know a lot of that. So, yeah, I can see, I can see the potential of this. Uh, have a look at it. Pixolo.de. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much for that, and we'll put the link out um, again on our Facebook page. Thank you. Okay, so guys, we've got some visitors here at the show, just having a wander around, and uh, they're all having a, a chat together. So uh, uh, we're just going to find out a bit about why you're at the show. Is there anything particular that you've come to see at all? I came for a masterclass this morning, in particular about creativity and blocks. Okay, and did you find that useful? Was it worth very coming useful. to? Useful, yes, yeah. very useful. Yes. That's good. What about equipment? Is anyone here wanting to look at equipment here, cameras, gear, that type of thing? I don't know why I'm looking at the two guys there, but uh, yeah, right, yeah. You talk to me on that. I've just yeah. bought a Canon R6, so the Canon stand over there, they're doing specific talks. Why are you laughing? Yeah, because I've just bought one as well, yeah. Right, okay. So I'm, then they're doing specific talks on the R5 and the R6, and I do feel like I haven't really unlocked its potential because I just go to it and go, oh, it's 5D with some extra buttons. Yeah, and but like, you just work. You just shoot full auto anyway, don't you? I thought, I thought P for Pratt. That's what I do. I just set it to P, Pratt mode. It gets me by. I'm fine. I'm making a living, so that's fine. But that's what I'm looking forward to, yes. Okay, so you're pleased with your purchase. So you, you, you've actually got it here. Yeah, great price as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and your cash back as well that you get with it as well. Got the cash back, got an adapter, and now I've got the proper... Yeah, the mic needs to come here. Um, yeah, so yeah, and I've got the cash back. I've got, got, got the proper... I've got the adapter, but now I've changed it to the lenses. Do not stick with the adapter. If you're thinking about doing the R6 or the R5, do not stick with the adapter. Chuck your adapter, chuck your old stuff, get the new lenses pin sharp they are amazing okay interesting because mark is a is a, a long-term canon user and he has been using it with the adapter what's your comment on that, that um no it's a good comment the thing is though i use two cameras when i shoot a wedding and i might still got a dslr and i've got the r6 so i need to swap the lenses over sometimes so that's why i use the adapter <laughs> eventually eventually i will buy another mirrorless and then i'll do exactly that but until then it's all money in it so you know yeah, yeah. any other gear anyone bought any other gear at all well in regards to the adapter i use a tilt shift lens okay. and using the adapter with the new mirrorless you can get eye autofocus Focus with the uh, with the tilt shift, which is like insane. So if you want to go a little bit arts and crafts, you can use the tilt shift and I autofocus with that system, and it works great. Yeah, once you get used to I autofocus, that's insane, really. Oh, yeah. Especially with, uh, uh, I mean, there's got the, the, so I think Sony did the animal I autofocus. They were the first ones to do the animal I autofocus and bird. Uh, I auto focus yeah. as well, weren't they? Which is interesting. But the Lady, the second group has switched off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, what about you guys? Uh, have you been, what are you here for? Anything particular at all? Um, what we wanted to speak to the guys about software for CRM. So, was it okay. light blue? Light blue, yeah. Light yeah, light blue. Light blue. Yeah, we, we need to we need to transform. We've been using something else for years, and yeah. Google, yeah. Pen and paper. Google Calendar, you mean? Spreadsheets. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, we've used Soho, which is for all yeah. sales, but yeah. we want something specifically for photographers. So light blue, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can vouch for light blue. It's, it is very good. And uh, what about yourself? Are you anything in particular you, you've been here for? I'm here to catch up with all my friends from around the world. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good enough reason to be here. Good, okay. Guys, thank you for your time, okay? And uh, we'll let you get on. Okay, thank you.
Okay, guys, we're in the print uh, awards section here, and there's a, a huge gallery of prints that have been uh, displayed here. And uh, we've got a couple of people. Sorry, I don't, didn't get your name. Uh, Dario. Okay, Dario, and I've got Sarah Edmonds, who's one of the judges. And Sarah, we just interrupted uh, Sarah and Daryl uh, when they're looking at the gallery, and there's a print here. Um, and Sarah, being a judge, has given this uh, a mark of 97, and she was just explaining to Daryl why she's given it 97. And we'd also like to know why you've given it 97. Now, bear in mind, no one can see this. Okay, so we want a general sort of why would you give somebody as, as high a mark as 97? Yeah, well, it's, it's very simple. There's a, a criteria that we're given while judging with all of the elements. There are 10 elements that we're looking for. And if they score uh, standard professional practice or above professional practice, then you add on top of the, um, the skills and technique that are above standard in most applicable areas and then if you add creativity onto that you get to a distinction with the the 85 to 89 mark and then if you add originality on top of all of those things along with uh, technique and skill in all applicable areas then we get into the above the 90 so it's very it's very easy for me all I have to do is look now easy I that's the first time I've ever given uh, above a 95 and it's the first time in today's this year that I've given anything above a 90 so this is a picture by Terry Donnelly, and it's a sports picture. I'm not a sports photographer, but I don't need to know sports photography to understand how difficult the shot is. Terry's a friend of the show, so yeah. which is good. <laughs> well, that is a coincidence, guys. All right. I, I didn't. Okay, I didn't, and I didn't know whose whose picture it was when I was judging it. All I'm doing is looking at the the picture as as it stands, and it's in, it's a very very difficult photographic technique with a slow shutter speed and tracking. The, the, the sidecar, the racing sidecar as it goes around. Now he's got the, managed to get this incredible horizontal blur of the background so that it looks like a painting and yet the, the very, very fast moving racing sidecar is pin sharp. It's beautifully composed. It, it's just stunning on, on every level. There's, un, there, there's the unique factor, not unique, unique is not quite possible, but the originality, the creativity on top of superb skills, and that's why I gave it a 97. So, there's, I mean, there's a bit of science behind it, isn't it, is to wait that way you're marking things. Yeah. But what about something that, that, that we see that's really a spontaneous reaction? Mm -hmm. So, Daryl, I mean, I was, you know, you, you, you sort of view a question, you've been looking at the images here. Is there anything here that you've, I mean, even it could be this image that you've thought, Wow, that's great. That's just been your first impression. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, first of all, I love to browse around these prints. I'm a print expert, so for me, this is kind of, you know, like a kid in a, in a toy store. So going around and you can appreciate the kind of mastercraft that you need to go to this point, for instance, to this result. This end result on paper is, you know, just capturing the thing is amazing. But putting it on paper and create this nice presentation... So I've been lucky enough to assist all the two judges' days. And, and during the judging, you can tell how the judges are trying to, you know, analyze and, and uh, I'd say, dissect every single creation. For us, I mean, in the audience, to understand what's behind every single picture. Now, I've seen more than one that actually you can tell just a, as a matter of a blink of an eye, you can tell, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm just like pinpoint on the ground. Just blown away by it. Blown yeah. away. And I'd say a couple, were, a couple of prints that I saw and pictures that I saw during the judging were in the wedding category and definitely in the creative as well. And like I said, I think that especially at SWPP, you can tell that the science you were evoking a few seconds ago is there. So the criteria, the... The, let's say this ever-going 
challenge of you know let's look for quality let's look for you know the ingenuity behind this kind of of, of work I'm just amazed and yeah there are at least 10 pictures that I will literally steal here and bring it home with me definitely so congratulations to everybody for entering this very intense competition yeah it's really interesting because you know you can walk past an image and think walk past and think wow that's amazing you know and you don't quite know why and then you can start to break it down and really sort of pinpoint those Sarah from what you were saying then there's that science that, that sort of behind it as well exactly. but uh, yeah it's not so it isn't it very rarely is it by chance Usually the, the master photographers bring together their pictures very carefully. They're looking at composition, colour, um, expression, uh, creating the posing and the shapes. Uh, it, everything is done very intentionally in order to have a designed impact at the end. Yeah, that's great. No, thank you for your time. It's really, it's really interesting. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Cheers. Enjoy. Okay. Um, I'm with one of the guest speakers, Fiona Ingvarsson, who is a wedding photographer by trade, um, but she was talking about sort of the expertise, really, of photographer and why we do what we do, and, and going for gold was the pretty much the name of your... So, in a nutshell, um, and I know it was about an hour and a half talk, and I know you did a bit of practical with it as well, which is really cool to see. Um, what was you talk about, and, and what, was, what were you trying to get across to your audience? Okay, so we were talking about uh, imposter syndrome, really, and why it's important for us to embrace it. Because when we are pushing for awards, when we're going for gold, uh, and we're pushing for awards and qualification, we have to step out outside of our comfort zone, um, which means that we're going to be faced, well, many of us are faced with this, um, these feelings of fear, of fear, not being good enough, that we're uh, inadequate. And, and it was about embracing those fears um, to allow us to really create more exceptional work. Excellent. I mean, I think that's something that we can, most of us actually feel. Um, I know I certainly do in photography. Actually doing this, this is not something I ever thought I'd be doing. So, uh, so I, can, I completely get that. So how did you overcome it? And how would you recommend people to sort of overcome that sort of imposter syndrome? Well, you have to really embrace it and not be scared of the feeling that it is... Um, giving you okay so imposter syndrome um, is a survival uh, mechanism that human beings have and it's called fight or flight now this is dressed up in many different ways and as I said at the beginning of my uh, talk um, I am not a psychiatrist or a therapist so I'm not here to fix anybody um, and I can only talk about my own personal experiences and what I did was I didn't want those feelings of fear to hold me back so I just embraced them and um, by embracing them I I learned how to um, well I grew actually not so much I learned but I grew and I developed and my style changed um, I, uh, during the talk I spoke about how I uh, embraced personal projects because actually when I won my associate or was awarded my associate for wedding photography I hit a creative glass ceiling and I couldn't push through it and what was happening was that my photography was actually becoming substandard and it was destroying my confidence it was making me feel really uh, it, well the imposter syndrome really kicked in and I did have flight and I, and I walked away from pushing towards my fellowship in wedding photography. However, I didn't want that to define me and I carried on working hard towards my fellowship with personal projects, something that I found 
would answer the questions to who I was as a photographer. And so I took on a couple of personal projects. One, one was in um, the migrant camp in Calais that I wrote a photographic essay about. And another one was a, a conceptual piece which was to reflect the housing crisis where I took fine nudes into derelict buildings and I photographed them in there. And through those two projects, that whole process, which probably took about two, two and a half years, um, it allowed me to really examine myself. I understood who I was as a photographer. I was embracing imposter syndrome and um, I was achieving what I wanted to set out to achieve, which ultimately was my fellowship in photography. What was it that you did that and then went actually now the confidence is back to, to, to what you're doing? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head actually because it's about confidence. So going through that whole process, um, I, I, I found a new... Um, place in my in myself so my confidence was growing exponentially I had to learn to communicate and direct um, so although these models were fantastic at what they were doing I needed to direct to get that emotion out of them through the shape of their body but also in the expression on their faces it challenged me to learn more about lighting. So when I was in the jungle camp, I had to look at light more. I had to understand the lighting conditions and what I was trying to achieve and what I was trying to capture there. And also pushing yourself so hard outside of your comfort zone, you can only grow from there. So I feel like I've come full circle. So now when I photograph a wedding, because I'm a lot more confident with myself and with how I work, I just feel more at one with the skills and talent that I have. So I shoot now with everything with purpose. I have no judgment. If an image doesn't work, I don't care, but no one else is going to see it. Um, if it doesn't work, then I analyze why it doesn't work. And so next time I know I'm in that environment, I can shoot it better. Um, and there's just no judgment. So my, my advice would be if you're feeling nervous, if, you're, um, if you have these feelings of I am not good enough or I'm a fraud, then ask yourself the question, why am I feeling like it and how am I going to get over it? And going for gold, my talk was all about personal projects and how they affect your uh, commissioned work and going for gold and going for those awards because that pushes you. It gives you a purpose, it gives you structure, and it gives, gives you a purpose um, to uh, achieve, qualify, and succeed. Awesome stuff. Well, thank you for taking time to, uh, to speak to me. Um, you up to what much next? Is it straight back home? You going to the bar? What are you up to now? I'm going to the bloody bar. Yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. It was a fantastic talk. And uh, thanks ever so much for taking time to speak to me. Yeah, it's been great. And I hope to see you at the bar too later. Yeah, we'll be there. Have a great afternoon. <laughs> and you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Okay, guys, I'm outside now. Uh, it might be a little bit windy out here, but uh, I'm with Miss, uh, Michelle Spack, and Michelle is a uh, photographer mindfulness expert. Is that right, Michelle? Yeah, yeah, I specialise in mindset for photographers. Okay, so that's really interesting because I've already, always had an interest in that sort of mindfulness approach and whether it's through meditation or thinking about things the right way and you know because we all, it all it's all to do with helping like you know we all procrastinate we all do those things and we can get into a rut and all that and, and it's getting out of that mindset um, so I think it's quite interesting that you've that you're like a specialist mindfulness expert photographer so I've not come across that no well I actually realized it wasn't in the industry enough um, and I've been through a lot myself procrastination had things happen um, that have pulled me away from from 
being the photographer I could be. And I started studying it. And then I was like, wow, as photographers, as creatives and as self-employed people that work on our own, we actually handle and have a lot of mindset issues. Um, we, we procrastinate more. We have more self doubts imposter syndrome we're actually in the top categories two of them for imposter syndrome and I thought why is nobody doing this I'm a photographer myself and I've been on that journey and now I want to help everybody else <laughs> life has yeah. got too fast yeah. you know yeah. you order something somewhere and mm. it's delivered the next day mm. you're on social media and you're getting a dopamine hit every few seconds you know you're getting your emails you're checking your emails all the time because every time a new email comes in you're getting you know that kind of that hit again and we've stopped you know funnily enough we were just saying a minute ago you sit on the loo and you're on your phone yeah. or you go for a walk somewhere and you're on your phone yeah. we've forgotten how to focus we've forgotten how to allow ourselves to be bored to become creative to allow ourselves to have the ideas for our business because on a walk you might find you get 20 different ideas for your business but if you're on your phone you'll get none and we've got into this world of being connected 24-7. Like being here at the show, you know, you see all these new ideas. And a lot of these new ideas is not just to make your work better and to make you feel inspired. But a lot of these things are there to also save you time. Hey, look, you can do this, but it's going to save you time, you know. Um, or you find a new process to do something. And, hey, if you do this and you crack this, you're going to save yourself so much time. But what happens is that when you do save yourself time, you end up trying to fill that, that time that you've saved with something else. Why can't we not just be doing nothing at times? Because doing nothing is actually doing something. If I was to say to you, just give me two bits of sort of key advice where somebody can just you know maybe well, just help them take stock of things what what can they do if they feel overwhelmed say that's better if they feel overwhelmed so if you're feeling overwhelmed your first bit is to write everything down write your thoughts your negative thoughts your, your every thought you've got every task you have to do everything that you need to do you need to write down then look at that have a look at how much of it you need to keep, how much of it you get rid of. From a feeling perspective, I'd write out all your feelings on a separate bit of paper and I'd actually burn it and let go of everything okay, because you right. need to get past that overwhelm before yeah. you can move forward. And that is like a massive thing. From a time perspective, you know, if you are finding that you're procrastinating, it's time to look around you at your environment, take away all the declutter, take away all the distractions, literally take your phone the other side of the room. So if you think about doing it when you're on a task, get up, you're gonna have to get up and get that phone in or stop you from doing it and the last one is literally allow yourself to be bored allow yourself to take a day and sorry this is hundreds don't make yourself try and be productive when you're in the complete opposite mindset because all you will do is feel worse and worse and worse you are better going and having a bath going and having a walk doing something that makes you feel good than trying to keep going when you feel overwhelmed in that moment because all you're going to do is sit at the computer two hours later you're going to be going i've done nothing I've done absolutely nothing, and then you're going to continue to beat yourself up. Okay, right, guys, we are sat um, by the lifts, aren't we? By the by, by reception, going into the bar for. Well, actually, we're just on our way out, but we are talking to um, David Stanbury, master photographer. I've got to get this right, and let's get the FSWPP. That, that's well read. Okay, right well now, read, now, David. Um, David has been doing a, a talk uh, on wedding photography this afternoon, so we sat in on that, which is really interesting. Um, good turnout, which is really good.
Now, sorry, Mark, I'm going to have to say this again, okay? Yeah. Now, you said you'd been doing this for about 30 years, haven't you, uh, okay? Yeah. So, and I've been doing it for the same, same length of time as well. But you look a lot younger than I do. Okay. Oh, don't. <laughs> don't say that. It, we won't hear the end of it. Okay. Now, when I first started, I was really fortunate to find a photographer who's... Uh, I, was work, I was working for another studio doing commercial photography, and this uh, photographer came in. We were doing some work for him, and he was a wedding photographer, and he said to me, do you, do you fancy doing some wedding photography? Just give me a hand. And I'd never thought about it and uh, just said yeah because I had nothing else to do on Saturdays so I went along and three years later I mean I'd, I'd gone out with him three summers in a row just going out just assisting him and basically being trained which is unheard of really now in this day and age there's no sort of formal training sort of for no. wedding photographers and it was the best thing that I could have done and it, there is no formal training for wedding photographers is there so your talk I thought was really valuable yeah, we, we, I mean, we offer, well, I offer workshops. Um, to be fair, I, I, I struggle a little bit at the moment, obviously because of the pandemic, all the weddings have been backed up, uh, so time is a, it's a little bit crucial. But you are right, you are right. It's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those genres of photography where um, I, 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 there are certain rules that need to be applied to wedding photography that seem to have been forgotten. Um, and that's one of the honours that I've got is to help people to bring them rules back into in, back into wedding photography. And I think that's I think that's important because I know that I've seen uh, photographers that just don't know. Should we say like rules? You know, in inverted commas, the rules of being a wedding photographer on the day, going into a church. You don't wander around. You don't lay on the floor. You don't encroach on where the vicar is with the rings. You know, and that type of thing going on. And and I've gone into some churches and, and some vicars said, no, look, you're not going to be near the front. I've had photographers that have just been really problematic, caused problems. Well, that never happened years ago, you know, particularly when we were shooting medium format on film and doing all of that. And, but and I say the new photographers, I mean, we're talking, you know, long time now, particularly in digital. A lot of photographers don't know the rules of, of the day, do they? No, it's it, it's a strange it's a strange it's a strange genre, but it's probably where I've been brought up into photography. Where uh, really I'm a control freak, but the church is the place where I have, I have zero control whatsoever. Um, in the in the good old days, I say of photography, we generally tend to have a, our cameras on a tripod, and we were told you stay there and you do not move. Um, and it's one of those things where photography has changed now where a lot of photographers want to do more storytelling more movement more more trying to get more candid style of photography to the point where perhaps they do get in the way of the actual story and the actual day for me the, the one thing I can put my hand on my heart and say is like I said I've been I've been in business uh, 28 years I've been a photographer for 30 years wedding photography hasn't changed whatsoever for me the only thing that's changed is the storytelling elements of it we still do wedding albums i mean i started in photography uh, sorry my input into wedding photography was um, my parents wedding album i, I first flicked through my mum and dad's wedding album uh, looking at grandparents uh, who who were no longer here and aunts and uncles who were no longer here um, and, and, and my father and my mother told me the stories behind these people and then for my 21st birthday, um, my father bought me a, a camera, a Praktika BX20. Now, you're far too young, you guys, to remember a Praktika BX20. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> he looked it, though. Um, so, um, yeah, so he bought me a Praktika BX20. And the best advice he gave me is, now go and learn how to use that camera. So I went to, I went to college. And it was only a night class at college, but what I learned is, is the, the, the marriage between the, the depth of field, the f-stop and the shutter speed and the ISO, the, the exposure triangle is what they call it. And I learned the difference between and how they affect the image. 
how that helps me is that when I look at an image now and there's a shallow depth of field, I know the setting that's been used on that lens or if the ambient light is dark, I know the, uh, the shutter speed that's been used on that, on that particular image to create that effect. And what that then does, once you know the rules, it then gives you the comfort and the confidence to then break the rules. But at the end of the day, photography hasn't, uh, wedding photography hasn't changed. It, it's, it's still exactly the same. There are still certain people that you have to respect, i.e. the ceremony uh, and the, the, the vicar and the, and the location, the venue. Because like I said during my talk, it's all about the, the client experience, the guest experience and the venue experience of how the photographer sees it. What I also liked about your talk, though, um, was that, yes, the client experience, the venue experience, but also the photographer's experience. Mm. And that was something that was actually... Was really, it was really good. So we, we, me and Cam spoke about this on a previous episode about sort of trying to do something else because it fulfills you yes. as well. It is. Yeah. Obviously, you've got to make sure the, the, the clients are happy with what you're doing. But as creatives, and that's what we are at the end of it, isn't it? You know, we want to push ourselves. We want to try something. The last thing we want to do is a conveyor belt, the same exactly, thing exactly. every time. Um, so I found that really interesting. But also you choosing clients and stuff. Do you tell our audience just a little bit about that because I found that really interesting. So, yeah... Uh, I have a saying, not only have we got to be the right photographer for the client, but the client has to be the right client for us. Um, and the, the, the analogy that I gave of that was uh, a groom, a bride and groom came into the studio wanting to book us. The, the bride has seen us quite a few times at uh, different shows and things like that. Um, and she really wanted us to photograph the wedding. And um, the groom came in and um, he, he, knew, he, he knew he was looking for a deal and he, he was slouched on the couch in the studio. And, and we went through all the, the sales pitch, shall we say, and that sort of thing. And then he said, yeah, go on then, how, how much? I said, well, you've, you've had the, the price information and all the rest of it. He said, yeah, but how much? Come on, we're looking for a deal, we're looking for a deal. We've all seen these people. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was going on and on and on and on. Uh, and then he, he came up with the, that great thing. Well, you know, it is between you and another photographer. And the other photographers offered us this, that, and the other. And I just turned around and I said, well, go and book that photographer. Mm. And the bride turned and she said, I told you I would say that. I told you I would say that. So I then turned around and I then said, well, listen, guys, go away, have a think about it, and get back in touch with me. So they got back in touch with me about two or three days later. And I said, unfortunately, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm booked for that day. I'm, I'm no longer available. I said, I'm, re I'm really, really sorry. And she was, she was really upset about it. But I wasn't booked for that day. So the reason that we actually decided to turn the wedding down is because just imagine when it came to, to choosing the, the wedding album and us trying to sell extra prints and upgraded the album and the pages uh, and up, you know, selling them wall art and prints and stuff like that. Imagine on every conversation we would have this, okay then, well let's do a discount, yeah. well let's do a deal. And, it, and it's, it's all, it always still rings in my mind that particular conversation. That every time I go to Tesco's or a supermarket and I put all the food on the trolley, we, we quite happily pay that bill. Mm. But all of a sudden, when it comes to photographers and wedding photographers in particular, mm. it's like, well, you know, you, you should be doing it. You should be doing a deal for us rather than charging us full price. And we should be confident in our pricing because if we're not confident in our pricing, are we, are we, you know, are we worth it? Are we being confident to ourselves? Yeah, I mean, I find that a lot when I do because I do a lot of family photography, and I charge more than the average photographer. Um, and I have similar conversations. How come you're so well? You know you don't have to buy it you know and the reason I charge what I charge is because I'm probably better than that photographer you're comparing me to um, so it's it's kind of nice to hear that because you know I, I think we were talking uh, to Michelle about sort of mindfulness and stuff and actually as a photographer you've got to if you're going to do this you know a wedding is 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 quite a thing to do you know it's a special day it's the one life event you know we hope uh, of doing that and you know it's it's a day that is enjoyable but it's a lot of 
pressure, I guess, is the word, isn't it? Because you've got to get it right. And if, you, if you're not doing that for the amount of money you think you should be doing it for, then I think that shows in your work, actually. I don't yeah. think it's something that you want to do. Well, it, it's, it's like anything else. If somebody turned around to me and said, um, um, if you knock £200 off the wedding, um, I'll book you. And then we go and accept the £200 reduction on the wedding album. And then we spend the day thinking, well, how am I going to get that £200 back? Perhaps I do less of a job on this and less of a job on that. Two things then happen. First of all, we're doing the client a disservice. Mm. But again, we're going back to, to, to my self i'm doing me a disservice i'm uh, um, not giving everything that i wanted to do i mean again i i've never worked a day's i've never done a day's work in my life uh, and that's because i love doing this job mm-hmm. and all of a sudden when we start going down that road it, it's it's going to turn into a job yeah which means that that my self-worth is going to go down because i'm not going to be respecting myself to do that job and i know it sounds silly and i know it sounds really really weird but this is how I've kept in this business for so long is because uh, I, I would expect and I would like our clients to respect me and my product as much as I respect the wedding and the products that I'm going to give for the wedding. And, and I just feel from that point of view, it's a two way street with the respect side. Yeah, no, I agree with everything that you said there. And one other thing I just want to just sort of finish off on, unless there was anything else Mark's got, but um, is you touched on the wedding album, mm-hmm. you know, the actual physical yep. album, okay, which is really refreshing to hear because we get more and more people now, you know, contacting us and how precious those digital files have suddenly become now. And I think some people just assume that they're going to get the digital files and that type of thing. So it was really good that you'd said that there was real emphasis on the wedding album, on that, that physical product, and the importance of showing them that, that they are there and that they're available and that they can pick them up and they can feel and they can handle them yeah we we always say show what you sell and sell what you show um so when a when a client comes into into our studio um for me everything's on the left hand side it's a bit of a salesy thing that i so everything's on the left hand side so they've got wedding albums we've got wall art we've got pictures we've got print um one of my proudest moments is that my clients understand paper so they understand uh, the difference between a, a photographic paper and a fine art paper to the point where when they come in sorting out the album, we're actually choosing paper choices for the album. So that the feel as though they're actually creating this product. It's an emotional investment. So when they're coming in, they're, they're putting their emotion, their, their soul into, into our products and into our pages. And one thing I would always say to people who, people always turn to me and say, oh, I, I really struggle to sell wedding albums. And when you actually look behind the scenes, the reason they struggle to sell wedding albums is because either they're showing the clients on an iPad or on a phone or online or something, so they're not actually giving them the experience of the wedding album. And, and to answer that question, I, I do what I do with our clients is I say, listen, the night before you come into the studio or the night before we arrange the Zoom call or anything like that, I said, do me a favour. I said, just get your parents' wedding album out um, and just go through the wedding album with them just to get some ideas on what sort of photographs you would like to have on the day. Now, I suppose all your listeners are going to be turning around and saying, well, that's going to be all-style, old-fashioned photography. I don't want them to do that. The idea is that once they start talking with their mum and dad and going through these pictures, then the importance of a wedding album comes to light. Then the stories and the memories and the, the, the touch and the feel of these pages that relatives no longer who are with us have touched and felt the same pages. All that comes to life. And then when they come into the studio, it's, I must, have a, I must have a wedding album. I need this to pass on to my children and my grandchildren. Because it, it, it's a sad fact of life. It's, it's one of the things that, I mean, I said in my talk, I'm not photographing a wedding for the bride and groom. I'm photographing it for their children and their grandchildren. And that might sound very pretentious, but that's a fact of life. My kids love 
my parents' wedding album, the grandparents, the grandma and granddad's wedding album, it's something that's precious to them. So it, it, it's something that's close to my heart and I just want to get that uh, over to our clients as well, just how important it is. Yeah, it's important because one of the things I say, and again, it relates to a wedding album and pictures on the day. I'll say those pictures, you know, with your mum and dad and your family, your immediate family or your extended family, you're recording your family's history, your family, you know, the, that's that generation of family and suddenly you see their like eyebrows raised and, you know, and they think, yeah, actually, you know, what yeah those family photos are important that album is important you know as soon as you start to talk about generations and and family history then suddenly it's very much oh yeah those photos are important to us you know yeah so i've got one last question for you um so many of our listeners are either budding wedding photographers or they're already fully fledged professional wedding photographers and obviously i very much noticed the uh, rather snappy title of your talk which was shoot weddings like a boss which um, I absolutely love them and we'd say that down south as well by the way yeah we do say that down south Um, so if there's any particular pearl of wisdom a a tip it doesn't have to be anything too detailed uh, for someone who's either just beginning their journey as a wedding photographer it might be some professional photographer already might go actually yeah that's a really good idea why didn't I think of that is there anything that you could say just one really good tip that's helped you through that you could tell our listeners certainly it has to be preparation. Weddings, weddings are either success, weddings are either successful or fail before the wedding actually takes place. So um, the more information that you have as a photographer, um, the more um, planned you are before the wedding date, the easier the wedding date can be. I mean, when I first started in, in shooting weddings, we would have um, a little piece of paper that was cut up into small, small little bits, sell, uh, stapled together. And the first bit was. Um, tips for the bride preparation the second turn it over it with the groom the ceremony turn over it with family the family list shots and I used to wrap that room with an elastic band around the top of my flash gun on top of the camera so all I needed to do really was just look down and I had this idea this inspiration if I ever got a little bit of brain freeze shall we say it's a lot easier now we've got iPhones we can have inspiration on our iPhones and, and things like that but yeah it's all about that preparation planning ahead and having an idea of how the day is going to run and one thing I always tell to delegates who come on my work for, uh, workshops is have a default setting so in other words our default settings um, is a full length bride and groom shot a half length bride and groom shot or a full length groom shot or a, a, a wedding party photograph so have a list of default photographs in your mind in your in your arsenal shall we say so that if something happens, if somebody's running late, or let's say the bride arrives at, at church and she's 25 minutes late and the vicar's really giving you grief, you can go back to those default settings. Yes, bride, bridesmaids, dad, them sort of shots. And then if you get a bit more time, then you can move on from them sort of shots. But you've got the default shots, so you can just tick them boxes a minute. So that's, that's probably one of the best tips. Excellent stuff. Well, thank you for uh, giving us your time today. And uh, it, was a, it was a great talk, and uh, yeah, it's a pleasure meeting you. Fantastic. Glad you enjoyed it. Good to meet you again. Cheers. And there we have it. That is the uh, an overview of our visit to the Society's Convention last week. Um, I do hope you enjoyed it. And Mark and I will be back in a couple of weeks where we'll be chatting a little bit more, uh, you know, about our thoughts and in reflection of the show um, as well. And uh, my confession that I have now moved away from uh, Sony and Nikon and am now a Canon user. OK, so lots to chat about in a couple of weeks, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And. And uh, we will see you next time.